Welcome to the Redshirt Collective, a Star Trek watch-along podcast where we analyze and talk about all seven seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation from a radical leftist perspective. So energized with Earl Grey tea and chocolate from The Replicator, set your phasers to fun, and prepare to engage. Ready, Captain? Yes, Captain. Make, Make it, it so. so. Welcome aboard. Hey, Nick. Hey, Mike. Are you feeling younger than usual tonight? <laughs> I am feeling quite uh, young at heart, you know? I feel like a kid again. That's good, because I think that's relevant to the episode we're talking about. <laughs> Actually, just kidding. This episode made me feel like 50 years older. <laughs> <laughs> Although I know you had the opposite uh reaction to it so we might have our first ever difference of opinion episode oh that could be that could be exciting i think so you mean you mean you didn't like the curious case of benjamin button in space (laughs) (laughs) i know i know wild but yeah it just it didn't speak to me okay well so what are we talking what episode are we talking about tonight oh so today we're digging into season one episode 15 too short a season the one in which age ain't nothing but a number we kick off the episode joining the crew of the enterprise as they orbit persephone 5 where they've been ordered to meet up with admiral mark jameson who is in the worst old face <laughs> i've ever seen it's really bad <laughs> it's very bad to confer about a terrorist situation on Morden 4. I know we just got started, but I have a question <laughs> <Yes>. already. <laughs> Tell me. <What? laughs> Where do you suppose they come up with the planet names? Do you think there's like a method to it? Or do you think they just kind of like randomly use names that are like inside jokes or something or like inside things to the writers? I've always wondered about that too, because... Isn't sometimes they are real places? Yeah. So I wonder if they're all real or if they just like make stuff up. See, I wondered that too. Okay. Well, sorry. That I mean, apropos to nothing that we've just spoken <laughs> about or anything in this episode, um, Persephone just made me think of this. <laughs> so apparently the terrorists on Mordan have taken an ambassador and their staff hostage and are demanding a Federation negotiator, one said Admiral Mark Jameson, who must arrive at Mordan within six Earth days or the hostages will die. And painfully, that was made clear many times, they will not just die, they will die painfully. Yeah, they really wanted to lean into the torture element. <laughs> it was here. really dark. It was like, okay, guys, we get it. It Jeez. was. Yeah. Captain Jean-Luc Picard informs the audience, essentially, that Mordan has just come to peace after 40 years of civil war, so the situation is unexpected and perplexing to Starfleet. We learn that Jameson handled this hostage situation on Mordan 45 years ago, and thus is being called back to do so again. When Picard and Commander Will Riker go to greet the Admiral and his wife, they're stunned by the Admiral's insistence that he has been designated senior mission officer on all missions and therefore will be in charge of the away team on this trip. Picard agrees to this with obvious concern and discomfort. 
We get Mordan Governor Karnas. Karnas. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> Not to be it. confused with Karnak. <laughs> the way he kept pronouncing I feel, I feel it. Like, I feel like I'm way too young to make this reference, but wasn't that a Johnny Carson bit where he, like Karnak, it was like super, super kind of bad. He would like oh. put on like a, like a turban or something and like hold a, an envelope up to his face yes. and guess. I don't remember what, was what the inside. name was though. It could, that could be it. I think it was Karnak. If if not, and and somebody wants to correct me, you're more than welcome to. But <laughs> for some reason, I, all I could think of this whole episode was Karnak. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Karnas, and Karnass. you have to really emphasize the Nas part in a way that That's I right. can't even do. Karnas mm-hmm. on the screen <laughs> once Admiral Jameson is on the bridge, and we can see immediately that something is weird because... From context clues, we know that Karnas and Jameson are roughly the same age, but Karnas looks like a regular middle-aged to older person, and Jameson looks like something that would come gurgling out of a pile of goo in a Freddy Krueger movie. (laughs) So we know that some reverse aging is afoot. That's Hey, that's a little (laughs) Karnasty. Good one. Mm Mm-hmm. Karnas seems antagonistic, which is odd given that he requested Jameson by name, telling Jameson that time has not been kind to him, which is unfair because clearly it's the prosthetics department that has been unkind, <laughs> not time. <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> Jameson brushes this slate aside and asks for details of the hostage situation. Karnas repeats that the terrorists refuse to speak to anyone anyone besides a Federation negotiator and will kill all the hostages otherwise. So painfully. Jameson agrees to these terms. Yes, very painfully. <laughs> it's very important we know that mm-hmm. they will be tortured. <laughs> yes. Riker remarks that Karnas doesn't seem to know much for being the man in charge. Counselor Deanna Troy says that while it seemed what he said was honest, she also sensed that he was holding back. Jameson postulates that Karnas might be afraid of admitting his powerlessness in this situation, and Diana, poor sweet Diana, agrees that this could be it. Well, it was so it was so random because you have Troy basically making an educated guess that pretty much anyone could do. Mm-hmm. And then Jameson contradicts it, and she's like, hmm, yeah, that could be also. And so you're just like, do you people know, like, what is Troy doing in this situation? (laughs) Well, it just yet again adds to her characterization as basically like a a psychic or something, Mm -hmm. where it's like she's just saying things and seeing what sticks and then, like, changing what she says, you know? Yeah. To be whatever someone else said. Oh, like, oh, yeah, I think it starts with a D or maybe a T or <laughs> someone's like an S. And she's like, yes, that, that that's exactly it, an S. It's just so demeaning to her that she wouldn't, like, have more insight. And it's just, anyway, so... Even, like, she was picking up that something was off of Jameson and still, like, didn't get to have any recognition for that. It's like she does know things, but they always have her do this weird thing where it's like, yes, yes, I I don't know what it is. Maybe that's it. Sure. 
Yeah, it would have been so easy in that scene to have her be like, no, it's not that, it's something else. I'm sensing right. it. Like and he was clearly be being plausible. deceptive. And right. <laughs> her her read on the situation is that he was being honest but holding back. And it's like, no, he's like straight up being deceptive. Right. <sighs> oh, Troy. Oh, Troy. Okay. <laughs> you deserve so much better. Uh. Suddenly, Dr. Beverly Crusher comes on the intercom and she says she's ready for Admiral Jameson, which we find out is because Picard wants a routine medical checkup done on him. Jameson looks worried or like he's melting, and we see Diana staring at him intently, clearly picking up on something. We get some extraordinarily boring boring dialogue that I won't bore y'all with, but essentially it is yet again emphasized that Karnas is a warrior type extremely invested in honor, and because of this, we'll be looking for revenge for this insult to his authority by the terrorists. Jameson goes back to his quarters, and from what his wife says, we learn that he seems stronger than he has before and that he feels like a kid again. Jameson suddenly starts writhing in pain, and he tells his wife not to call for help, that this has happened before and that it will go away. He claims these are just body changes and to be expected. It's <laughs> like, what are you going means. through a growth spurt? Like, that's such yeah. a weird thing to say. <laughs> I know. You know, it's that time in every young man's, in every old man's yes. life where his body changes. <laughs> that tender, <laughs> precious time. <laughs> <laughs> So meanwhile, Bev and Picard are talking about the Admiral's checkup results, and Bev says everything that the Admiral sent over ahead of time, I guess, looks good, except that the records provided are two months old instead of two days old. (gasps) Gasp. I'm shocked. (laughs) We learn Jameson is 85 and suffering from something called Iverson's disease, which affects the body, but not the mind. Dr. Crusher says she has a gut feeling Jameson is hiding something, and Picard retorts he'd expect to hear something like that from Counselor Troy, to which Bev looks like she's going to slap him, and also like she's been slapped in the face. And I'm like, Bev, that's your friend. <laughs> like, I her know. and Troy are good friends. Like, why would she take that so offen- offensively that it sounds like something Troy would say? Yeah, I well, and also that it's like a pretty normal thing to yeah. say, but it, it kind of undercuts Troy again, though, because he's like, he's he's talking about her gut feeling being off, and as as if like that's all Troy can offer is just a gut feeling that she doesn't actually have like her half betazoid powers to be able to <sighs> sense things. It's kind of silly. That's such a good it. point. Yeah. And I mean, I don't blame Bev really for being mad because he clearly meant it in like a dismissive no, way. It was and I'm mean. like, good job offending both women in yeah. one sentence, you weirdo. <laughs> way to go, Picard. Yeah, good job, Picard. So Picard notices that, you know, Bev is obviously offended and sits next to her to mollify <laughs> her, saying he does respect her opinion and once around the bridge for the next few days to ensure the Admiral stays in the best of health for this mission, which is just intensely patronizing. Like, they're there. You are important. <laughs> Come babysit this old guy. I got, like, kind of, like, hot and heavy vibes off of that. I, like, like he was kind of like, I'll need you with me <laughs> on the bridge, if you know well, what yeah. I mean. 
Men, patronizing men love to be all horny while they're being patronizing. This is mm, why I don't date older point. men. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many guys have done something like this to me where they've like offended, like talked down to me. And then in trying to console me, they're like hitting on me at the same time. And it's like, what fucking vibe do you think is happening right now? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, look at me being so like caring and noticing your feelings. And it's like that you hurt. The, <laughs> like, the, yeah, like, the feelings that you just damaged. Thanks. <laughs> right. You're not getting points <sighs> for that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and yes, of course, he and Bev always have the simmering tension. And I think that's part of why she was so hurt, you know, because yeah. it was like, oh, like, you know, we're kind of crushing on each other and you just said something sort of rude. Yeah. <sighs> well, as they approach Mordan, Picard offers Jameson the con and he happily accepts getting up out of his futuristic wheelchair and shuffling over to the con to everyone's startled amazement. Jameson explains this by saying he started a new therapy before he left and that it must be working. He hasn't felt this good in years. Beverly and Picard go into Picard's ready room and Bev emphatically explains to Picard that Iverson's disease has no known cure and never goes into remission. That something is definitely up with Jameson. Picard tells Bev to look into it thoroughly. (laughs) (laughs) What was that even? I don't know. Jameson's wife comes back into their private quarters and is stunned by Jameson walking and also being extremely horny. When they reveal his face, he's looking younger, but then immediately collapses on the ground in body change pain again. You might say he's fallen and he can't get up. (laughs) (laughs) All my references are very 80s today. His wife panics and calls for help. When we cut back to Picard and Crusher, she's explaining to Picard that Jameson has chemicals in his blood that are completely unknown within the Starfleet database. And what is clear at this point is that he took something that is having a profound impact on his body, changing his DNA and curing him of his Iverson's disease. I I felt like that was a punchline without a joke there. I mean, (laughs) when when Crusher's like, he's ingested something that strongly impacted his body. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. It just, like, it just made me laugh during the episode. And I was like, I don't know what I'm laughing at. It just sounded really (laughs) funny to me. It was really funny. To me, it's like, I don't know, again, like a middle schooler was writing this script and is like, oh, (laughs) he took something that's really impacting his body. (laughs) We don't know what it is. Picard goes to Jameson's quarters to talk to him, try to get some answers and finds him looking even younger than before and more able bodied than the last time we saw him. He says he no longer has anything to hide and reveals that once he learned he had Iverson's disease, he put a plan in place. He went to the service system, Service 2 specifically, where they are reported to have a substance that gives you your youth back. By the way, to which Picard was like, that's just a myth. And it's like, you are looking at him right now. (laughs) His unexplained... youthfulness (laughs) right like (laughs) what are you arguing about like he's sitting in front of you and has changed right before your very own eyes and you're still trying to say this is a myth you know the i i have only seen so this is the this is like the fountain of youth trope 
right? Mm-hmm. This episode. Totally. And I've only seen the Fountain of Youth trope done one time that I really enjoyed. And it was because, of course, I looked this up ahead of time. Um, it was The X Files, episode mm. four, season five, The Detour. Um, co- coincidentally, writer and producer Vince Gilligan uh, offered oh. my favorite joke of that show, which is also interesting because my current favorite show on Netflix is Better Call Saul, which is Vince Gilligan again. So I must just, I must just be a Vince Gilligan fan. Um, but I digress. The, the point, (laughs) the point was that I was trying to make was that in that episode, there are these mysterious tree people and they spent more time filming that episode than I think, um, they typically did. I think they spent 11 days or something in, in filming it. Um, and basically at the end of the episode, Mulder's like maybe Juan Ponce de Leon found the fountain of youth that he was looking for when he explored Florida, you know, centuries ago. And that was it. That was the only reference to the fountain of youth. <laughs> so the idea was that these like, you know, it was to me, it was the most plausible way of dealing with the, like the fountain of youth kind of trope was that it wouldn't make you younger. It would just, you just live a really, 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 really mm. long time and yeah. basically just like evolve into like a super forest being. So this episode, I was just like, this is kind of just, well, like I said at the, at the jump, this is kind of just Benjamin Button. It's just like, okay, so he yeah. keeps getting younger. Like Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> So Jameson informs us that the process is painful, the mortality rate is high, and outsiders are rarely given access to this treatment. But Jameson used his political power as someone who had negotiated a treaty for the planet years prior to gain access, which I also had thoughts about. The treatment has to be administered over the course of two years. And Jameson procured enough of the treatment for him and his wife, but wanted to test it out on himself first, because if he died, according to him, what did it matter since he was just half a man anyway? Yikes, dude. Ugh, I know. But that is also one of the things I thought that the episode did well, which we'll, we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Then Jameson reveals that when the hostage situation came up, he knew he had to be at his peak to deal with it and couldn't wait for the results. So he took both fucking doses in full at once. At once. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude, there, there is something in between like yeah. one dose over two years and both like you're doing <laughs> jello shots, you know? <laughs> I really hope that's how he took them. <laughs> oh, that's definitely what I imagined in my head. <laughs> uh, Picard questions why the Admiral thought he needed to be young to handle the negotiations, but Jameson doesn't answer and Picard returns to the bridge. Once Picard leaves, Jameson's wife, Annie, lays into him. And I was like, go off, girl. This actress, in my opinion, did an amazing job. She had like, like she was kind of overacting, but she was Mm -hmm. also incredibly believable. So Mm -hmm. I was into it. She felt like a stage actress to me. Like she would have been perfect on the stage, you know? So she was like giving a little bit too much for TV, but it was like, damn, like I feel your pathos right now. I'm into it. Yes. 
and and it was a it was a well written rant too. Yes, like like I really enjoyed that aspect I did too. of this episode. So she asks him why he didn't tell her, and he says he did this for her, for them, and she's like, "Yeah, right." Basically, keep telling yourself that. She points out not only did he keep her in the dark, betraying their partnership, but that at the first professional opportunity, he threw his plans out the window for her slash them. Annie also quite rightly notes that he never asked her what she wanted and made all these decisions for the both of them. Jameson claims it was killing her to take care of an invalid, which seems like him obviously projecting onto her since we never got any sense of this from their previous scenes. And he sort of physically accosts her. He's like kind of grabs at her or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost like sexually, which was like Mm -hmm. his like... Ugh. His like horniness was so off putting to it me. It was pretty gross. Yeah. Because it was just like out of nowhere and he just kept like jumping on her and like mm-hmm. she has no context for what's happening. So it's like mm-hmm. you're not communicating. You're just like suddenly accosting your wife. Yeah. Anyway, so good on her. She scoffs in disgust and runs away. He yells after her that he can get her another supply of the drug as if that's the fucking problem. And she waves him off in exasperation as she leaves. We get a hilariously framed scene of Jameson sitting in the observation lounge, which is a place I always have trouble saying, (laughs) face covered in shadows. (laughs) So dramatic. As he requests a line of communication with Karnas, Picard interrupts and asks, you know, what is this for? And Jameson says he wants all the information Carnass has on the situation for like the third time. Like they've literally already talked to Carnass twice and the guy's like, there's terrorists, they have hostages, they want to talk to Jameson. Like that's all he's ever told them. Yeah, yeah. Picard questions his strategy, repeating back to Jameson what Jameson himself said about Carnass being a proud man and therefore sensitive regarding the situation. But Jameson growls that he's in charge and Karnas will have to get over it. Picard is obviously uneasy, but he approves a secure channel connecting the two. Jameson asks Karnas who's behind the hostage situation and Karnas responds it's dissidents who they believe can get the Federation to remove Karnas from power. When Jameson lifts off people that might be leading this rebellion, Karnas says that all those people are dead. He remarks that he thought Jameson was dead as well for a time and that he's coming full circle to come back to negotiate again on Mordan as if the last 45 years never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Jameson has a realization and remarks that Karnas has never forgiven him. Karnas denies this unconvincingly. Jameson barks out that if that there are no dissidents, no terrorists, that Karnas is in fact the one holding the hostages, and Karnas immediately confirms this. Which <laughs> is like weird because he's like, no, like everything's fine. And then literally two seconds later, he's like, yes, this is my <laughs> evil plan. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. The, the timing on that was a little bit awkward. <laughs> well, we know how TNG likes to do is like immediate character yeah. turns. <laughs> oh, the timelines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I had a timeline nitpick uh, earlier because Jameson's wife was like, 
oh, they have these family quarters now. If we just had this 20 or 30 years ago, we could I could have been with you for most of your career. And I'm like, bitch, he's 85. You've been married for 50 years. <laughs> I know. Why would it have mattered 20 years ago? I was like, why, why can't That's these people point. ever get a timeline right? I know. It's almost <laughs> like they're doing it on purpose now. I, know. I bet they are. I want to give him that much credit. Anyway, so Karno says he's going to ask a very, very high price for the lives of the hostages. And if Jameson refuses, Karnas will simply kill them all very painfully, very slowly (laughs) and very painfully Hmm. (laughs) because we all Hmm. need to understand these people are going to die really fucking bad deaths. Jameson runs to the bridge and demands they increase their speed to warp eight so they can arrive ahead of schedule to throw Karnas off balance. He informs Picard of the situation, but refuses to say how he knows the truth. He also announces he will be personally leading the away team on an armed rescue mission to retrieve the hostages. Picard tries to talk him out of all this, but Jameson is unmoved. I also have questions about how things operate because they feel like whenever someone comes on the enterprise who's like a starfleet person and just claims to have some type of authority they all just believe that person (laughs) and never seem to just kind of call in and check like why would this 85 year old man have senior mission commander privileges for away teams do you know what i mean like still you know that's a pretty good point because you'd think that picard would be like I got to call somebody up at Starfleet and just double check on this because this is kind of weird. Well, and it's like mitigating circumstances, too. Yeah. Yeah, I just found that weird that like Picard just kind of kept rolling over for him and being like, okay, you have this authority. And it's like, maybe take three seconds and call someone and just (laughs) just make sure he even does. I know. I mean, it's it's believable because it's Picard and he's like... (laughs) You know, seemed Hard like a stickler authority. for protocol, and yeah, exactly. But but yeah, but otherwise, like if you think about some of the stuff that Karnas was saying, and like the fact that he was also like de aging before their eyes, like wouldn't yeah, wouldn't Picard want to be like, oh look, guys, we got a problem down here. The admiral <laughs> you sent with us is taking a double dose of Jello shot de aging <laughs> serum. He's you know, Which he like exploited his authority as a Starfleet officer to even get in the first right. place. Like he's clearly right. off the fucking rails. Yeah. And yeah, it just is weird to me that like Picard just kept kind of being like, well, I just have to like let him do what he wants. And it's like, you <laughs> yeah. you don't though. There's definitely yeah. protocols that could be put in place to like challenge this guy's authority. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> anyway. Uh, We join the girls having a little chat about boy troubles in the good doctor's office. (laughs) Annie's sitting with Bev and Diana telling her frustrations with Jameson. And (laughs) Diana and Bev basically gaslight Annie saying like Jameson still loves her and he did it to save lives. Like making him seem like a hero or something. I I couldn't understand that. I was like... It was so weird. A, they know nothing about this situation. Right. But B, like, how would you know, like, that he still loved anyway? And Bev is, you know, 
not does not seem like someone I'd want to talk to about my problems. <laughs> right. But Deanna right. is a fucking literal therapist. Like she's I a literal know. counselor. And for her to be like dismissing, like for her to not even validate to Annie that like, yes, this was shitty that he did this without telling you and made this decision for the two of you. Like she couldn't even give her that much. It was just very weird. Exactly. Yeah. So Annie rightly is upset that Jameson, well, I don't know if rightly, but she's upset that Jameson is young again and she's still old, which was like, I could understand having that concern, but also felt like the opposite of what she was upset about before. I know. I don't think that was her point. The problem isn't the lack of consent or any of these things, but just that like, oh, now he's young and hot and I'm old and like, he's not going to want me. And it's like, (laughs) right. Annie, did someone brainwash you? Uh, like, are you okay? I know. <laughs> did someone grab you on your way over here? Yeah, after that, like, rousing speech she gave to yeah. him. And then, you know, now she's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, no, he's, he's not going to young and me. I'm old. Yeah. Ugh. Um, anyway, sh- since Annie's a woman, we certainly can't expect consistency or proper character development. So I don't even know why I'm mad. Bev then reveals to Anne that Jameson is not stabilizing and that he might die from the treatment. <laughs> so, like, not Jeez. only were they not, Captain like, empathetic to here. her. Yeah, but then it's like, <laughs> oh, and by the way, he's probably going to die. <laughs> Jesus, don't, Bev. Don't, Anne, don't feel bad. He's probably going to die anyway. Painfully. Very painfully. <laughs> Picard joins Jameson in the observation lounge where he is yet again cloaked in darkness. He turns dramatically into the light, now a fully young man with no terrible makeup on. (laughs) Picard calls Jameson out on his bullshit about saving lives and demands a true answer to why an armed raid is the only answer to this problem in Jameson's eyes. Jameson begins to tell Picard about what actually happened 45 years ago, that Karnas's father was assassinated by a rival tribe, and in response, Karnas took passengers of a Starliner hostage, hiding them in tunnels under the city and demanding weapons from Starfleet. Karnas murdered two other negotiators before Jameson was brought in. Dude, I have so many thoughts. Hopefully I remember them for later. But it just, it was like, what? Like, why is Starfleet even negotiating with this guy? He's like killed Starfleet officers. This was such like, this was such an Iran, Iranian revolution situation. But, but interestingly, I I think that the, I, I think that Star Trek came down on the right side of it in a way of being like, this is really messed up. But anyway, we, we can talk about that. And Jameson achieved peace in the negotiations by giving Karnas what he wanted, weapons. He was somehow able to keep this off the official record and was a secret between Karnas and Jameson until now. Jameson continues to reveal that he also gave the exact same weapons to Karnas' rivals in a move he said was his interpretation of the Prime Directive in order to keep things even and let them solve their issues on an equal basis. <laughs> That's that is the that is the least <laughs> rational, most morally bankrupt r- set of reasons I've ever yes. heard. I completely agree. Oh my god. 
<laughs> Picard remarks that this decision plunged the, I don't know if it was the city or the whole planet or whatever, but plunged these people into 40 years of civil war, which Jameson said he couldn't foresee. Really? You couldn't yeah. foresee that when you gave them all a bunch of things to kill each other with. Right. Well, they're they're at the height of like being mad at each other and having yeah. things be really super personal because people are yeah. really rational in those kind of dis- like situations. Yeah. Yeah. How was I to know? It's, it's- <laughs> yeah. Jameson says this is his chance to make up for his mistakes so many years ago by saving the hostages and not giving Karnas what he wants. We join up with the away team in the transporter room as they're ready to beam down to the planet. Jameson throws his dick on the table, reminding Picard he's senior mission commander or whatever. And this is, (laughs) I was too lazy to go back and check. And this is his away team to lead. Picard agrees that he has this right, but as ship's captain, Picard also has the right to join the away team. And so he does. And away they go. Riker is like having a heart attack in the background, too. Like mm-hmm. seriously, you're gonna you're gonna join this loose cannon on this like extremely dangerous mission. What could go wrong? Right. <laughs> Down on the planet, they're in the tunnels under the city, and Jameson is convinced that Karnas is holding the hostages in the same place that he did before. Which, you know, sure. Jameson <laughs> identifies forty which, years ago. Right. <laughs> Jameson identifies which tunnels they're in and how they are situated in relation to the governor's mansion, which does not match what Data has on his tricorder. Jameson dismisses this, saying he knows these tunnels like the back of his hand and his knowledge is more accurate from 40 years ago. He tells them to scan for life forms as he runs ahead. As Data predicted, they run into a dead end where the tunnels were sealed off two years prior. Conveniently, they're able to just cut through the wall with their phasers quite easily. In what was the longest scene in Star Trek history, they're just standing there (laughs) phaser cutting that wall for like a solid 90 seconds. Well, you know, they wanted it to be believable. They wanted us to to be there in real time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, The team is attacked by people in very trendy blue camo with their Mm -hmm. phasers set to kill. Tasha manages to stun a couple of them, but then Jameson has another body change attack and they beam back up to the Enterprise. (laughs) That whole like bang, bang, pow, pow scene was really funny (laughs) to me. I was like, you guys, this is not... This is not your forte here, Star it's, Trek. Let's yeah. let's not do this, okay? <laughs> They're not great with the action scenes. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Jameson is taken to sickbay while Karnas demands that he be beamed down within 10 minutes. Sick or well, he does not care. Troy pings Picard to say Bev wants him in sickbay immediately. When Picard arrives, Jameson says he needs to go to Karnas so he can bargain himself for the hostages. Jameson's poor wife is just standing there like, what the fuck, dude? Picard tells Riker to beam him and Bev down with Jameson. So again, Picard is like directly going into this. <sighs> anyway. Why? Yeah. Not that like maybe at this point, yes, the captain would go, but it just felt weird that like he's putting himself in so much danger. I know. But won't just tell Jameson no or call the Starfleet <laughs> to be like, this guy is just like absolutely lost his mind. Yeah. 
Once on Mordan, Karnas refuses to believe that the young-looking Jameson is actually Jameson. This whole sequence was so annoying to me. It was, it, and it wasn't really greatly acted either. No, and it was so drawn out. I know, it took forever. And he, Karnas, threatens to kill Picard and all the hostages. <laughs> I know. And they're all just kind of standing there. I know. If the real Jameson isn't brought down immediately. Yeah. Conveniently, Jameson has another fit while Picard expositions to Karnas about what is going on. Karnas makes a big speech about how he wants Jameson to see what his actions did to their soldiers and their city, which is fair. Fair enough. It seems the end is near, so they beam down Annie into a terrorist situation. This little old woman. <laughs> That's a really good point. They're just like, well, screw protocol at this point. Let's just check her down there and see what happens. Right. And while Picard is showing Karnas a slideshow of pictures of Jameson's Dude, transformation. The least convincing tricorder images ever. <laughs> Because, like, yeah, look, I'm sure see, with all this, see? like, future technology, they don't have a way to just Photoshop something. I know, I know. <laughs> like, photo <laughs> evidence is so, you know, solid. Ugh. And then, and then Karnas, and then Karnas says the, the refrain of every young person watching the world burn, I want that old man, Picard. <laughs> <laughs> So All true. of it caused by him. <laughs> like, That's a good line. What we all say to the about the boomers. I mean, <laughs> I know. I, was, I, 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 I know. I was with Karnas on that one. I was like, "Yeah, dude." I mean, <laughs> you know, get that Henry Kissinger wrinkled ass down here. And <laughs> Picard and Karnas go back and forth about who's really to blame, and then the actor who plays Jameson gets up and overacts his ass off, just <laughs> chewing the scenery, sweating and shaking everywhere as he points out that Karnas didn't even trust his own men, ha only having two lieutenants at their negotiations, and that he wanted arms to destroy his rival, that peace was not in his mind. This felt like partially a confrontation, and then also partially he was like proving that he was Jameson. Parnas yeah. still like doesn't believe him, but then he demands that Jameson show him this like gnarly scar that Karnas gave him to seal their deal. I would yep. be mad if someone gave me a scar that big just for like this one time deal. Like it's different if I've like joined your gang or your organization or something, but like just for like a one time deal. I know this is like professional you're doing too much. negotiations. Like you know, I shouldn't <laughs> be cutting myself for this. No. So Karnas like finally believes him now seeing the scar and but it's like why because like they could have just given him a scar like you know what I mean it's it right. just there's no end to like if you're and not going to believe he, it you're not going to believe it like he could have asked to see the scar like you know 20 minutes of dialogue ago <laughs> yes please <laughs> saved us all a bunch of time <laughs> Yeah, this scene definitely had that um, trying to meet your word count vibe at, the, at a certain yeah. point. Yes. Oh my God, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. What's the word count on this essay again? <laughs> yes. They're like, fuck, we have 10 more minutes to fill. Keep, just keep having him not believe it. <laughs> so Karnas grabs some gun off the wall and 
moves to kill Jameson with, quote, his own weapon. But then seeing how sweaty Jameson is, he just decides it's a better punishment to let him die painfully. Because everyone in this episode has to die painfully. Yeah. (laughs) Bev is looking at Jameson and says the stuff he took is trying to de-age him even younger, but his body can't handle it and she can't (laughs) do anything for his pain. I'm like, bullshit. Again, like this is hundreds of years in the future. You don't have something that would block his pain or you can't like put him in a medical coma or something. Exactly. Complete BS. Um, He and Annie have just an extremely corny and weird exchange about her golden hair, and then he dies quite dramatically. And why does she say that she'll always love him? I was just like, dude, if if this guy's ending his life like this, like he was probably a complete dick for most of his life. Right, which I felt was insinuated in her speech to him because she's like, you always do this. You always think you're right, and like you don't need to, you know, like your way's the highway, like your way or the highway, basically. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he doesn't even seem like he was a good husband. Yeah, no. Poor Annie. I know. Karnas seems satisfied at Jameson's death and tells Picard he'll release the hostages immediately and is prepared to be cooperative as Annie weeps convincingly over her dead husband because she's a better actress than he was. (laughs) In the weirdest ending ever, we find out Jameson's body was buried at Mordan at the request of Anne, like... What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I sure. We'll talk about it, but like, what? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we leave the episode with a pearl of wisdom from Picard before the crew heads off to Isis 3 on their next adventure. And I realize I've aged 10 years watching this mess. <laughs> the end. Uh... <laughs> so, friend... Do you have a joke for me? I don't. I already used up my joke. My, <laughs> That's it. You're done forever. My, I used up my my car nasty, my car nasty joke from earlier. <laughs> um. Okay. 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 I I do have one though. Okay. Dad oh. joke time. Okay. This, this dad joke comes directly from Captain Picard himself. Oh. When he says, "Not good" is a galactic understatement. And I was like, galactic? <laughs> Thank you, Picard. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very it was very funny. I think I think they asked like how the away team went or something, and he said not good or or how um I don't know, or or how um the Admiral was doing or something to that effect. But it was it was quite funny to be. It made me laugh. That's amazing. How about you? Did you have a dad joke? I have a joke for you, but it's not, like, from this episode. That's okay. I'm just going to start pulling random jokes. That's what I used to do. That's a good idea. All right. So have you heard of... Unless, like, if I can write an original joke, I will do it. But I couldn't... Uh, we had too too tight of a turnaround time. I couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Mike, have you heard about the king that was 12 inches tall? No. He was a terrible king, but he was a pretty good ruler. <laughs> Which is like so not related, but I feel like is kind of related to this episode. I don't know why it's related, but it definitely feels like it is. <laughs> I feel like Karnas is like a 12-inch uh, tall king. 
Yeah, I think I think this whole episode with like Carnass and Admiral Mark. I mean, they were just so they were just so, such the embodiment of like an old broken masculinity, Oof. which which Say it. I I feel like the I feel like the writers were actually critiquing like like in a positive way. I feel like they were just pointing to the fact that these two guys were an embodiment of something really negative until mm-hmm. the last five minutes where Picard starts moralizing to defend Starfleet and Ugh. turning this around to blame the civil war on anyone or anything other than the Starfleet Admiral who fucking caused it. Yep. And then like this moralizing at the end about age and youth, like so badly done, so badly written. So I, my episode rating on this was good episode, really bad ending. Maybe mm. a good episode is a little too generous, but like I I had two big critiques and one was the way that th- there's almost this apologeticness about like yes. the actions that the Admiral took towards the end. And I was like, no, like we should all be like the scene, the episode peaked when, when Anne just like rips Mark a new one. Yeah. And, and then I was like, you know, that was, that was great. Um, because it's like everything he said was like, first of all, totally couched or not couched, but totally wrapped up in toxic masculinity. It was totally ableist. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was just like it was ageist. You know, there mm-hmm. was like all this bad stuff. And then she just takes him to task for it and is like, and on top of that, you're a ho- you're horrible because you don't even consider anything and how it affects me you just make these decisions so you know i'm I'm watching that and i'm like oh this is good like this is this is like a pretty good like lambasting of toxic masculinity and then in the end of the episode they sort of let him off the hook and then picard like basically looks at the camera and says viewer this episode is about age and youth and I, and I was like, actually, I don't think it like, is. No, it's not. It's not about that at all. I think <laughs> it's, it's not about, at all. It's about toxic masculinity and how and how patriarchy is also shitty for men because it creates men like this horrible, um, you know, this, this this horrible Henry Kissinger type. But <laughs> but then but then that's not what the like final analysis of the episode is. So I'm just like, what? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, it was so. incongruent and just (laughs) weird like I because they had the same thing and it was like to me you know even the whole youth thing wasn't like you said it wasn't really about youth it was about this guy being so arrogant and being so single-minded yeah yeah, you know what he, I mean? It's not like, I mean, it's about him like having all this pride and his pride not allowing for him to have an identity that works as yeah. someone who isn't, doesn't yeah. have like physical prowess anymore and, you know, is towards the end of his life. But it wasn't like, oh, I just want to be young to like, because like being young is great, which is what no. the ending made it sound like of like this I, foolish I pursuit of youth. That pissed me off so much because he even says in the episode, he says to Anne, what good was I to you? Yeah. And when he said that, I I actually like, I thought that was actually really powerful and very painful because I think that a lot of men do feel that way um, if they lose their physical prowess or if they lose their, you know, ability that they have. And I felt like the writers were like taking aim at that sentiment. 
Mm-hmm. And 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 so then I was like kind of enjoying the episode in a, in that way. But then, like I said, in the last five minutes, I was like, what? No, don't undo all the cool stuff that you just did. Why? Everything about that ending pissed me off. Oh, I know. It was so bad. <sighs> but I will just to stay on thread of like what you're saying. Yes. And I wanted... Even, for instance, when he finally confessed to Picard what he had done, Mm -hmm. the biggest reaction we got from Picard was, what? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) Picard's like, what? Um, And then Picard almost immediately starts finding ways to, like, excuse what happened. Like, even in that conversation, Picard starts saying, well, you know, you're not the one who, like, made them go to war with one another. And I'm like, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Like, exactly. Back the fuck up. Like, we still haven't actually dealt with the fact that this guy had the audacity to make that big of a decision on his own on behalf of Starfleet and knowing it was wrong, covered it up. Yeah. Like, we haven't touched on that at all. Like, there's a hubris here that has always been there. Exactly. I think like in glossing it over, maybe we were supposed to assume that Jameson had done this to save the hostage. Like it was coming from somewhere altruistic, but it's like clearly it was about his ego. Yeah. And that to me was like part of the point of the episode was like this, you know, the ways that you internalize toxic masculinity and the ways that you form an identity around your successes and your abilities and how that leads you into doing shit that can have really long-lasting ramifications. Yep. And so the the yeah. answer to that would be to put all that aside, right? To like give all those things up and not need to be the person solving the problem and not need to be the center of attention and not need to have an identity that's formed around like what you've done and mm-hmm. what has been recognized. And none of that really came out. It was like Oh, like, it, you know, you shouldn't have done that, but <laughs> you didn't make them go to war, blah, blah, blah. And then the ending, you know, we get robbed of any of that work that could have happened because Jameson's dying the entire time and Picard is his stand-in. Yeah. Like, almost arguing on behalf of him, which was just yeah. so weird. It was, like, just even from a writing perspective, like... What is the payoff in that kind of scene where you have a third party character come in and, and like get involved in this this uh moral debate that's happening on behalf of the other person? Like why what was the point? Yep. Jameson yeah. spends his final minutes just writhing in pain saying goodbye to his wife and like never actually has to engage with his own actions. Or see himself reflected in Karnas, like see that Karnas is him, which Mm -hmm. was part of the point is they're both locked in this whole thing because their identities are tied to each other. Exactly. But we don't get any of that. We just get Picard being like, well, you guys, you know, you did bad things, too. And like, Mm -hmm. it's not really his fault. Yep. Yeah. And. There was so much potential, like I said, in the Mm -hmm. episode, which is why I actually, like for a good chunk of the episode, I was actually just kind of enjoying watching it. Like I kind of enjoyed the cheese ball, like 
you know, Admiral Mark sitting there in the with his face, you know, covered in shadows, and then suddenly he emerges, and we're supposed to be like, oh, you know, like I kind of like that. Like I thought that was kind of cool, and um, like again, just I think you use the word hubris, and I, I feel like the episode was just taking aim at this kind at this hubris and this idea, and it would have been really interesting to watch him suffer at the end, if that suffering was linked into a reckoning mm-hmm. with what this, like what this hubris had done to him, if it was like a little bit more like Homeric in its, you know, in the epicness yes. of like reckoning with mortality and, and, and even because even the idea that the episode was about like wanting to maybe relive or recapture, it wasn't about wanting to be younger and that's why that line exactly. from Anne, you know, that line where she's talking to Bev and, and Troy and, and Deanna Troy, and she's like, yeah, oh, now now he's so much younger and I'm so much older. It's like why that doesn't make sense and why the ending doesn't make sense with Picard and Riker. Because it's like, wait, but that's not what this episode's about. Like, do you guys realize what this episode is about? <laughs> no, apparently not. Yeah. It's almost like someone skimmed this screenplay and then just like tacked on an ending, having not yeah. like absorbed the themes. Yes. Because, yeah, like even his co- final, Jameson's final comment to his wife or their their final conversation where he's like, Annie with the golden hair. I, I know. And like what? And she's like, oh, it's gray now. And it's like, your husband's dying. Do we actually need to use this last moment to talk about how you're old now? And right. he's like, it's always golden to me. And it's yeah. like, that's not the point of the episode. That's, exactly. Exactly. That's not, that, 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 those <laughs> words are so meaningless. I, so I, I meaningless. Like, I, I feel like there there must have been pressure from the network to mm. wrap up the show in a certain way because it, the episodes are so incredibly formulaic, um, especially like the yes. endings, you know, are so moralistic and so kind of like, like I said, it's almost just insulting to the audience the way that like Picard or Riker like all but just turn into the camera and just speak to us directly what the point of the episode was supposed to be. Um, so I, I like, I just have to wonder if a lot of these were like really cool conceptual ideas that, like you said, once it got into the hands of like network demands, it got kind of warped into something different. I mean, it definitely feels that way. I don't know if that's yeah. what happened, but good grief. Cause I thought too, you know, if we're, if we're exploring all these things through this idea of like youth turning back time, going back, you know, to some pivotal event mm-hmm. and trying to write it, what would have been a better ending? This guy dying from the treatments he gave himself without ever really even having an actual conversation with no this reckoning. guy, no yeah. reckoning, or if the treatments had just worked. And now he had turned back time and he had his entire life ahead of him again. And he has to spend it as a prisoner of this person Mm -hmm. who he fucked over Mm -hmm. being tortured for all of those years. Like it would have made more sense to me if he had gone back 
Because you would think, like, maybe he would go back as an old man and be like, okay, this guy wants me. I'm old. I'm at the end of my life anyway. I can just, you know, turn myself over. And then somehow something happens where he turns young and now it's like, oh, fuck. Like, (laughs) I thought this was my chance to make one final grand gesture at the end of my life. And now it's like I could have had a whole new life if I had Mm -hmm. just you know, like not had resolved this in a different way. I think something like that would have been more interesting. And I Mm -hmm. just think, you know, it just goes to show again, and yeah, maybe this is network influence that Starfleet can just never be held accountable. No. Because that's what needed to happen here is he needed to go back and be held accountable and have some kind of actual real conversation with these people who, yes, of course, they had their part in their own civil war. Mm-hmm. But like he had a huge part in that too. He intervened mm-hmm. in their situation and like he should have to answer for that in some kind of way. Of course. Yeah. 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 And he seemed like somebody who just did his own thing all the time. All yes. All under the yes. guise of Starfleet. And he talks about like his interpretation of the prime directive. I'm like, what? Like <laughs> that's like so much of that is so messed up. And I can hear, I can right now, I can hear some Star Trek bro being like, okay, but to play devil's advocate, <laughs> like you've got these two groups, blah, blah, blah. Do you want them to kill each other with their bare hands or just give them weapons? Yes. And like, you know, and like and 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 I'm just because you at least you're minimizing the damage that's happening. I know, but it's like it's also just like such a specious argument that like I know. Oh, so they would come to blows like if they didn't have the weapons. It's like you know people who who are just like guns don't kill people, people kill people. You know, <laughs> I'm like I'm like no, it's really really. I think like the bullet the did have though. something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> So it it just I can I can hear people making those arguments about you know trying to be you know above the above the fray and just like yeah but from above and I'm like yeah but that's the problem Starfleet is always taking this perspective as if they're somehow in this preeminent position over all other civilizations exactly you know? so exactly it's, it's incredibly problematic like once you get to the point where this guy has killed two other negotiators. Mm-hmm. You know, you wash your hands of it, you continue to try and negotiate. I don't know what you do, but, like, you don't give them weapons. No, no, <laughs> And then exactly. act like that was a reasonable decision for you to make. Exactly, yeah. You know, even if you're like, listen, this, this has just gotten to the point where we don't know how to help and yeah. we're going to back out, fine. Yeah. But you don't, you don't escalate the issue. No, no, no. Did you have any words of wisdom? From this episode? Um, I had a few. All right. So we had Jameson at one point says, peace is often a prelude to war. And I felt like that was maybe like a reverse word of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. That's an anti word of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like a like an imperialist kind of thing to it say. It does. It doesn't <laughs> it? like, oh, they're being chill. So like... We gotta, <laughs> we gotta increase our military presence, you know, just in yeah. case, because we think something's gonna happen. Yeah. So that yeah. that was like a reverse <laughs> word of wisdom for me. How about you? Um, I I mean, really, all of Anne's speech, but 
I, especially the line where she said, it's just like you to assume that what's right for you is right for me. Mm. And I felt like there was some really like pent up, you know, like, I I feel like that line was probably not written by a man. I I don't know. Or it was written by a man who had done a lot of work and had been in therapy for a while (laughs) because like that, I like I, I think that that's that's so generational too the the idea of like the the family the patriarchal family where you have like the the husband is the head of the household and yeah. the wife is supposed to just whatever's right for for him is right for her and therefore right for the family and I feel like that line was written I, I, that line was very barbed like that was you know like it was meant to do some damage and I I thought that was a great line. I thought so too. Um, this wasn't a word of wisdom. I just thought this was it. Exchange was funny, but um, <laughs> Data says, "Sir, they have their phaser set to kill." And Picard goes, "Thank you, Mister Data. I've heard the sound before." I know. It was like oh, good not. taking a time out from a battle to be spicy, Picard. I know. I know. <laughs> also, that whole that whole battle scene was incredibly funny. It was very funny. Yeah. I think why. So I personally did not like this episode. I mm. see what you're saying. Like, I think you're correct in that something interesting was being explored and then just fell apart at the end. For some reason, it didn't work for me. And I think the biggest reason it didn't work for me is because for me, it was missing so many of the pieces that make TNG TNG. Mm. Like we didn't get these. We I didn't have a single moment from this whole episode that was just delightful. I didn't have any amazing data moments or Jordy mm. or Wes or, you know what I mean? Like I didn't have, I feel like so much time was taken up by this character yeah. And then his, his, every interaction was about him, that we just mm-hmm. didn't have these little slice of life moments that usually, even in the worst episodes, give us like a woo-wee or give us, <laughs> you, know, yeah. uh, you know, if you prick me, do I not leak? Like, we usually get something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I take your point, And I agree that in this episode, we don't get any personality Mm-mm. from any of our... Um, enterprise family and i think Um, that that probably skewed my perception like more than it should have but i think that's what a big part for me was that's what i was missing and also i just didn't like this actor not to be mean or whatever but i just felt like he wasn't a very good actor his makeup was terrible which was not his fault Mm -hmm. so like all of it together was like it just was so um contrived that Mm -hmm. i couldn't like get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that if, like I said, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and that this was actually a good episode that was just really poorly wrapped up at the end, I, I would say that they wanted to explore a theme here that they really couldn't do with the normal cast because mm. this guy has to be like at his core corrupt and reprehensible, Yeah, like lacking with an ethical you know, kind of basis. And I feel like they couldn't really do that with any of the the characters because we need to keep liking <laughs> the characters on the Enterprise, you know. And this guy wasn't just flawed. It's like he was just corrupted and, and like corroded at the core. Um, but that said, you know, you, you're making me th- rethink it a little bit because it's like, then it, is it really even an episode of Star Trek anymore? 
you know? Right. And, and, and that's, that's kind of how I felt. It didn't, yeah. it almost felt more like maybe not quite a Twilight Zone, but something. Yeah. Something in between those two where it's like almost, you know how the Twilight Zone always has like a weird premise and then it's like yeah. that's exploring a moral question. Yeah, yeah. It almost felt more like that to me than like Star Trek. Yeah, you're right. Because actually this could this could also just as easily have been an episode of like MacGyver, you know, <laughs> yes. where MacGyver uses duct tape and his pocket knife to <laughs> right. free the hostages. And it turns out that... <laughs> You know, Murdoch was behind the whole thing or something. I don't know, but it could, <laughs> it could easily have been any any other show from that time. I don't think that the setting that it was in necessarily really enabled us to have a conversation that we wouldn't otherwise be able to have. And that's what Star Trek does so great is it is mm-hmm. it allows us to have conversations we otherwise wouldn't be able to. Yeah, and I like like what you were saying of what how. Y- uh, what you felt the episode was trying to say before the end, if it had said that successfully, you mm-hmm. know, if we got the ending that we should have, then it would probably feel more like Star Trek to me because mm-hmm. that would be a Star Trek kind of thing is like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's question, let's question the patriarchy in this way of like what happens mm-hmm. to a man who's been allowed to have all this authority to receive all these accolades who then becomes old and sick mm-hmm. and then is given a chance to like, you know, relive his glory days. Yeah. And like, I think too, you know, if there had been more downtime for maybe Jameson to interact with Riker and Data and Picard yeah. in a more casual way, I think we would have like in Morph too would have been a good person for him to talk to. I think like if we had more time for those conversations to happen, then I think something more Star Trek like could have come out of this episode. That's a, that's a very good point. That had they utilized the cast, mm-hmm. yeah, that that would be much more interesting. I was going to say, even if they had just emphasized a little bit more about like how he acquired this thing, which also this potion or potion, that's not what he calls it, whatever, <laughs> this, this substance that significantly alters shot. his body, his jello shots. Like, like if, you know, if that had been a discussion with one of the cast members, you know, about like, about how he acquired it, like between him and Crusher, and then Crusher could push back because she would, you know, she'd push back. Yeah. And be like, that's you know you're vi- you're in violation of you know this and this. I don't know, like like that could have been interesting, and then we could have had that character development too. So it did. I, like I said, it wasn't a, a horrible episode. It just it just left me kind of bummed at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably probably wasn't horrible. I just felt I was just really not engaged. Yeah, I and then can the understand end happened, that. and I was like. Bro, what? The acting's just not really that. Yeah, you know. it just really wasn't. Yeah. But like, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it probably was a horrible episode. I think it just didn't land, stick the landing, you know. And um, I think it's a good point that it feels very much like a network hands on the script kind of situation where. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like maybe they had something because, like I said, just to me, the most logical ending would be for him to be young mm-hmm. and then have to stay to to sacrifice his now young, mm-hmm. you know, life that's full of potential mm-hmm. to free these hostages. And that's his way to, like, 
make amends. Yeah. And then he has to spend his entire life, you know, being a prisoner or whatever. It doesn't have to be super dark. Like, maybe he's not going to be tortured forever, but, you know, like, it's, maybe he's going to have to stay there as a, as a it's, hostage. It's a, it's a little Black Mirror-ish, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's probably too far for Star Trek, but... Um, but it has like this symmetry to it of like this, you know, this, this actually comes full circles. Like you did this thing thinking that you basically could just have, because that is also like the white supremacist, like patriarchal arrogance too, is like thinking you can live forever, thinking you should have all the opportunities. So for this guy to like go use his professional power to acquire this treatment and then think because you know like the way he kept talking about how great he felt being on a ship Mm -hmm. and he clearly like intended to have another career Mm -hmm. he was going to use this as his jumping off point of like look i led this armed rescue mission and look at me what a hero and he was just going to go back through and have a career again and that's part of what Annie said is she's like, you know, I was just looking forward to retirement. To I was looking, she's like, yeah. he just was, you know, you get the sense that he was just always working, always being on missions and stuff. And she was like, I just wanted to like have a quiet life with him for whatever yeah. life we had left. Yeah. And it's very clear that like he intended to have a whole other life. Like he wanted to do this all over again. I know. And and that's, again, I think that's such a cool I mean, not cool, it's horrible, but like that would be such a cool <laughs> theme to explore because yes. that's still a reality. Like men who don't know how to retire because oh they my God. Feel yes. like they're, they're useless all of a sudden. And, you know, and he says that he's like, you know, my, you're, I'm a burden to you. My, my, you know, my body is broken down. What use am I? All this stuff. I'm like, the, yes, let's talk about that. Like, that's really an important conversation that you know that men don't have so Mm -hmm. and women either are annoyed by their retired partners because Mm -hmm. they can't seem to entertain themselves Mm -hmm. or they are hurt that Mm -hmm. it's like oh he now that he doesn't have work he just seems like i'm not enough you know spending time with me isn't enough yeah for him to not feel lost and it's like that's really hurtful and i feel like that's where annie was she's Mm -hmm. like look We've been married 50 years. I waited, <laughs> you know, and now I just wanted yep. to have like a nice quiet life yep. with you. And it yep. clearly is not what you want. Mm-hmm. I know that's it's It's just like a nothing but a tragedy. So and it would have been interesting, too, if like he had gotten the dose for Annie. And whether she took it or not, I, I don't see her taking it, but like for mm-hmm. her to like leave him. Yeah. You know? And just be like, you clearly, like, I don't, because in his mind, it's like, oh, just come with me on this adventure. And for her to just be like, I'm done. I've had one life. It was a good one. I'm, I'm okay. Like, I don't, I don't need to do this again, I think would have been interesting. Yeah. But, and, you know, and that's, that's a conversation I could see someone, part of the crew having with him is this idea of like, well, why do you think you get to live forever? Why do you think you get to do everything all over again? 
Yeah, I mean, imagine like data weighing in on that conversation. Yes, <laughs> I was just like I want to know what he would say. In right, that like as someone who you know conceivably can live for maybe not forever, but like a very mm-hmm. long time, it would be yeah. really interesting to have them have a philosophical debate. Yeah, or or Jordy to weigh in on this, like mm-hmm. you know, oh, because you have a a physical disability, you're somehow, you know like not yeah. as useful or something like I, I don't know I, I just feel like there was a there was a lot of fertile ground there um, <laughs> so much but, you know. <laughs> he's like none of it I know uh, okay um, well I I've said everything I wanted to say about this episode um I think I have to I just want to point out that's not what 85 year olds look like oh. <laughs> just in case Anyone has not seen an 85-year-old before? <laughs> yeah. I've known a few 85-year-olds in my time, and their <laughs> forehead like- didn't just suddenly start jutting out <laughs> like four feet, you know? <laughs> like, it seems a little odd. Yeah. It's just when they uh, try to do old face, it's like, dial that back by like 90%. Like, I, you I don't need to do all of that to make someone look old. I know. What point are you trying to make here? Oh, my God. <laughs> And then when they were reverse aging him, it was like, she's like, you look 20 years younger. And I'm like, yeah, so now he looks like 200, (laughs) not 65. (laughs) Anyway, we love it. I think, I mean, do you have an episode rating? I think you kind of said it. Oh, yeah. Episode rating. That's right. I was, I was going to give this episode two healthy shots of anti-aging juice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> taken immediately <laughs> oh my episode rating so yeah. my actual episode rating is probably pain pain <laughs> loneliness despair <laughs> yeah you really didn't like this one i really didn't like it i, I liked bits and pieces which yeah. it like i do concede that it wasn't structurally like it wasn't that bad it really wasn't it just it just didn't land for me yeah I and I, I do, you know how I feel about the crew. I just get very get spicy when my my little boys aren't around. Yeah, Wesley didn't make an appearance. Oh, I get it. I Data get it. didn't do anything adorable. It just didn't do it for me. But anyway, so my my episode rating, pulling from the episode, is Russ Jameson, your long night and mine are over. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, you were you were just like get me the hell out <laughs> like, of this episode, please. I'm done. Roll credits. Thank you. All right. Well, before so. we say which episode is coming up next, mm-hmm. I wanted to say two things. One thing, thank you to Bjorn, who is a new Patreon uh, member. Yay! As a reminder, and as you'll hear in the outro, if you want to support the show. Help us cover our monthly costs. You can uh, do that. I think it's patreon.com, Redshirt Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, so and thank you so much. And pick up some cool merch, too. We have some very cool merch. I, I how do, do I so get myself. my hands on our cool merch? <laughs> I would can, like some of our merch. <laughs> we, can order, uh, we can order merch for ourselves. Okay. Like, I think I we get it you... like at cost or something. We still have to okay. pay, but we get it. All right. Well, I will tell all, all I need three a of hat. listeners. I love hats. Oh, I yeah. I need a hat and Maybe a sweatshirt. <laughs> I know. I, the, the sweatshirt's pretty badass. That Our logo kicks ass. 
Like, Thanks. <laughs> say, say what you will about our podcast, but our logo, <laughs> our logo and our theme music are fucking fire. <laughs> yes, our theme music is amazing. Um, thank you to uh, Trevor, who created our music for us. I've been mm-hmm. meaning to put Trevor's information somewhere on the site, but if anyone's looking for someone to make music for them, hit me up and I'll give you his information. So, uh, yes, Patreon, thank you. And then I just wanted to say, as you all have probably noticed, uh, we are no longer on a every other week schedule. <laughs> Life. Uh, so, sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is, that one's kind of on me. <laughs> well, it's okay. Yes, Michael has a new job where he's a very important person and he's very busy. <laughs> I'm not important, but I am busy. (laughs) (laughs) He actually just got home like 30 minutes before we recorded this, and it's very late at night for him. So he's he's been like nonstop. Um, But to take some of the burden off of you, I also have been doing a lot of stuff. uh, Mm -hmm. So I could technically have fit in more episodes, but like it's been it's also been good for me to have the break. So anyway, I just want to say, even though I just thanked our Patreons, um, if this is not what you signed up for, we're just going to have to be sporadic for a while and just kind of record when we can. So we can't really at this point commit to any particular posting schedule. If that doesn't work for you, we understand you can cancel your subscription. But just know when we ever have time in our busy little lives, we'll be here making content for you. That's right. And I, we will try our level best to keep our posting schedule. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it, we're, we're, not, we're not giving up on it. It's just sometimes no, it's a just, few things happen. Like I get yeah. called away on an outdoor education trip for a week. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Those little shits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's, it's a schedule like we hope to get back to at some point or mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, this is also has to just kind of be a hobby for us for now maybe forever so sometimes life is going to happen and we'll have to accommodate but we'll always come back you know that's right it's like star trek star trek is just there to heal our little boo-boos you know when exactly we feel, when we feel <laughs> so next time we'll be talking about season one episode 16 when the bow breaks in which a planet that was able to cloak itself for thousands of years suddenly reveals itself with its inhabitants proposing peace. But after initial negotiations, children of the Enterprise are kidnapped due to the infertility of the inhabitants. Which maybe is a spoiler alert at this point. I don't even know. I don't know. These descriptions are giving I have a feeling, I I like vaguely remember this one, Mm -hmm. but it's probably one of those where like half the episode you're like, something seems off, but we don't know what it is. (laughs) I'm down. It sounds like a, it sounds like a classic Star Trek episode to me. So I'm, I'm down. I'm pretty excited. I'm excited for it actually. Yeah, me too. Me too. So yeah, kids, comrades, we'll see you. We'll see you there. See you on the next one. See you next time. Bye. 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 
Thanks for joining us today on our mission, comrade. To keep this galaxy-class starship chugging along, we need your help. If you like the show, consider supporting us by leaving us a good review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. Follow us on Instagram, share us with your friends, promote us on social media, or become a financial supporter of the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash redshirtcollective. Now, get off my ship. 